Give me Felcha. Welcome to Uncrombieha Podcast for June 14, 2023. Hello again. My name is Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm back for another episode of news from around the world and an op-ed about something that may be important to you or not, depending on what matters to you. In this once-a-week podcast, now being hosted on RSS.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, and so many others, I try to offer you stories from news feeds and blog writers from around the world that you may not have heard of yet. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Sean Kay, a Gaelic storyteller, and I want this podcast to feel like we are sitting under the Ankram Biha, which is Gaelic for the Tree of Life, typically the village oak tree. Sitting under this imaginary tree together, I showcase headlines and relevant blog articles about climate change, racism, politics, and human interest pieces not found on the front pages, and why I think these stories are relevant to the world we find ourselves in now. I want to use this podcast as a friendly space to promote my activism to address the wrongs of the world, hopefully without offending anyone. I also offer this podcast free to subscribe to for anyone who cares to listen. I have no desire to charge any money while I bring attention to things going on around the world. I think soliciting advertisers to support this show takes away from the idea of what this show is all about, which is to push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late. We're almost there now in a lot of places. I do offer the option of donations and subscriptions from my written online stories and articles at medium.com, much like passing the hat at the end of every visit to your imaginary village. Speaking of which... I'll be taking a break once I have delivered the headlines to you. During this break, I do promote my website at Ankrambiha and my stories and articles published in Medium.com in a short one to maybe one and a half minute clip, but nothing too fancy. So let's get on to this week. This week, because of it's Pride Month, I'm focusing a bunch of stuff on LGBTQ and all the things going around with it. Some racism, some news, stuff like that. But my focus this week is going to be on the LGBTQ racism issues. I say racism only because it applies to the, the differences between people, and they're not really different. They're just other humans. So let me get on with the stories with you for today. This week, I've got climate change here to start with. And my first story is forced recognition for a Papua tribe raises hopes for climate. Indigenous peoples are increasingly recognized as the most effective custodians of the world's remaining forests. Again, a story out of Al Jazeera by Peter Jung, and it's published on June 8th. So this is a story about one I gave you last week about the New Zealand pilot kidnapping and what it's all about. Here they interviewed some tribal clan members who were just granted forest recognition designation with the promise of a lot more so they could be stewards of the land, ranging anywhere from 153,000 hectares or roughly 592 square miles of rainforest. There's lots of money being promised with millions of acres available if the people can get the applications in with the help of some of the nonprofits. This shows a lot of promise for those rainforests. Now only if they could do this in Brazil and Ghana over in West Africa. So my next story, climate solutions require love. Go out and feel love today, if it's just for a moment. And this is by Crystal Rivers, Ph.D., from medium.com. So this is a short feel-good piece by one of my favorite writers and how humans tend to throw away everything, including love for one another. She writes about climate change and the bad things that humans do to the world without much thought. You know, they don't think about it nearly every day, but this one I picked out because it especially tugs on your heartstrings. 
Again, all of these stories I'm going to give you links to in the newsletter that goes out with every podcast. So whatever I touch on here, you can actually read for yourself in the newsletters. So in the next story I have, smoke from Canadian wildfires hits Norway and flows to southern Europe. Researchers use a model to predict how the smoke will move through the region and said it wouldn't pose a health risk. Yeah, right. TheGuardian.com by Danny Aguiano and agencies. Researchers are watching, watching the atmospheric winds take the smoke from eastern Canada, across Iceland, Greenland, Norway, and eventually into southern Europe. They predict that this will be a new normal going forward. It's a new vision of the future. And what they mean by that is that as these, you know, arboreal forests catch fire like they're showing up in Canada right now, the, the climate winds that drift everything across the planet are taking this stuff all the way across the world into Europe, northern Europe, southern Europe and stuff. But of course, the scientists don't want to alarm anybody. Oh, yeah, smoke's not going to hurt you. Yeah, wrong. We all know that's a lie. As climate apocalypse looms, conservatives demand that kids be kept. Conservatives demand that kids be kept ignorant. Ignorant. Climate change is the new battleground in the educational culture wars. This is by Patrick Metzger. So I'm going to read that again. As climate apocalypse looms, conservatives demand that kids be kept ignorant. Now it's a really good article from another writer in Medium, and he's from Canada. And he describes how much the fear of climate change is making people crawl in a hole and refuse to come out. They want their insular world and are willing to fight for it, no matter that climate change is real. There's, deni- there's no denying it anymore. It's here. Everybody just needs to accept that and learn to adapt. Again, I, these articles, I strongly, strongly recommend you get in there and read them. Um, there's always a lot more to what I give you here. Next one I have, why only degrowth will save the world and what we need and what we need to do it right. This is notes from the understory. And again, another article out of median.com. So this one's a little bit technical, but it's a good piece on how to reverse the world order and bring the planet back into balance again. The author brings up valid points, but it is unlikely I will ever see them. The greedy capitalists will never let this happen. So again, there's another good article if you're into some of the technical aspects of climate change. Um, it's not real super techy, but you know a little more than your normal stories. But another another good read. And this one, one of my favorite authors. Okay, he writes out of New, you know Upper New England, uh, New York, New Jersey area, and he's also a climate activist. So I, you know if you want to know anything more about this stuff, uh, you know give him a look. He's got a he's got a small podcast. Um, he does write a lot of articles about climate change. So this call, this is called Thick Smoke Creates a Moment of Clarity by Ray Katz. And this again in medium.com. We can easily see what's real, what's nonsense, and what must be done. So I wrote this as a good article about climate activism how, and how everyone that can needs to stand up and be counted to counteract the current planetary status. Only if we come together as a single tribal man can we hope to take on the capitalists who would destroy the biosphere in their quest for riches. The children be damned. And I got a second article from him here a few days later. Same thing, climate climate change, because that's pretty much his biggest focus in life. So it's not a climate crisis. It's a climate crime by Ray Katz in Medium.com. Calling it a crisis or worse climate change protects the criminals who are committing the most evil crime in human history. And this, a, this one's a call to arms for a movement to take better care of the planet. 
In this case, standing up to the climate pirates and other, co pirates and other criminals. I call those stand up and be counted to make changes. This podcast, as I mentioned, is pretty good as well. So the, the link is in his article if you care to go into Medium and read it. Again, I'll leave the link. So this one comes from a different direction. This one I got from InsideClimate.News.org. Climate smart cowboys hope to hope regenerative cattle ranching can heal the land and sequester carbon. Grazing livestock to mimic how wildlife forages can prevent the erosion of topsoil, topsoil, protect water quality, and keep carbon out of the atmosphere. But it requires a big change in how beef industry operates by Emma Peterson. So it's a feel-good article about how some cattle ranchers have come up with a solution to save the grasslands in their care by using a rotational cattle program that allows time for the pastures to replenish themselves and help with biodiversity. I only wish more cattle ranchers would take notice and adopt this, but no, they're more concerned with maintaining their lifestyles instead of taking care of the planet. Again, follow the money. The money here is on the short term. These ranchers have come up with a plan for the long term. Keep the ranches in the family hands, and the only way they're going to do that is to maintain the land. You don't maintain the land, it's all short-lived, especially with cli climate change coming along right now. There's going to be a whole lot of cattle ranchers out west that are going to be out of business in a not too far foreseeable future if they don't start changing their ways. Well, I'll have to wait and see. So here we go. I got another climate chart article here. This one's from Jessica Wildfire. Now, I mentioned her a lot last week, and I'm going to mention her a lot again this week because she writes a lot of good stuff. So this one is called You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, A Look at Our Climate Future. This came out from her on June 12th. Very good article on what's coming for us via global warming, and she is very correct. Stand by, world. Bad, th bad things are here. And with El Nino right here now rather than later, it's only going to get worse. Time to start growing what you can wherever you can. Stock up on what you can't grow. We're heading for another global economic depression that will make the one from the 1930s look like 2008. That one was just a minor hiccup to what's coming. And again, I recommend you reading her articles. Um, if you could afford it, subscribe to her web pages uh, on Substack or even Medium. Uh, promote her work because she is a very prolific writer. So now I'm going to segue over here. This, go, this is into a little bit more of um, political stuff, sort of. It's kind of a gray area here in that regard. She writes a story about somebody who was an activist almost 100 years ago, 90 years ago. 100 years ago, she says, this is the name of the article, 100 years ago, a woman told the world how pointless their wars were. She's more right than ever. This published on June 7th. And this one um, was also in Substack and Medium. And this one about, this is, a, this is about somebody, her name was Jane Adams, a famous Nobel Peace Prize winner from 1931, now largely forgotten. Her biggest revelation that hit close to me was that wars are fought over resource and poverty, not ideology so much. So if you're a veteran, you should read this. as She describes the real reason we die for our countries. And again, I strongly recommend this, especially for that. So it gives a good idea of why we died for our country. Now, I'm not dead, obviously, but I, I am paying a very physical heavy toll as far as disabilities and things like that for all the things that I did in protecting the American way of life. And now I find out that it's all a lie. I wasn't protecting what I was told I was protecting. Uh, I did it 
you know, I was doing it for power and money, but it all went to somebody else's pocket. So here I have an article from Tom Hartman. What's the end game for a party of violence? If we continue to allow violence like January 6th and the violent rhetoric to spread throughout the American body politic, we stand a very real chance of losing our republic. And this has came out of the HartmanReport.com. And this is not real news. It's, you know, a lot of people have been writing about this stuff. But in his and in Tom Hartman's daily take, he talks about the bridge that was taken out on I-95 in Philadelphia a couple of days ago. He's asking, is it a prelude to civil war? Are we seeking the first salvos of a fascist takeover? Or was it just an innocent traffic accident? From the rhetoric over Trump's new indictments, a lot of people are asking that question now. Is he aiming to be a modern-day Jefferson Davis? So for anybody who doesn't know who Jefferson Davis was, he was the president of the, of the Confederacy during the Civil War back in the 1860s. And the question is, are some of these GOP wannabes like Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, him especially, or maybe Abbott or whoever else, um, is that who they're aiming to be? Are they are they gain, are they going to be a are they planning on being another Confederate president? Well, that's a good question. So now I start getting to some more stuff here. This one is a little bit different. Before I start getting into uh, the the LBGT, LBGTQ articles here, this one is about Aboriginal massacres in Australia, and the name of the article is Mile Creek. Newspaper makes historic apology for Aboriginal massacre reports. This came out of BBC.com World Australia by Hannah Ritchie. And this came out of Sydney, Australia. The story is about a long overdue apology, but also stands out as recognition of all the atrocities Europeans committed against the indigenous peoples and still are around the world. In this story, they note that there were 19 recorded genocidal incidents in 140 years, where only one, where some of them were actually executed, hung for the crime back in the 1800s. So that kind of shows you just how bad Australia is. And the United States and Australia, I think, are kind of neck and neck when it comes to, um, you know, genocide, racism, and everything else against Aboriginal peoples. And in here in the United States, black people, um, just a kind of a noteworthy article. But again, I try to give you stuff from around the world. So it gives you a kind of a different perspective. So the next, next stuff I get into here is all going to be LGBTQ for the most part, except I got one racism article I picked up for you at the tail end here. So let me get into this. Five arrested at tense face-off between group protesting gender ideology and counter-demonstrators. Hundreds of prosecutors protesters on both sides led to temporary closure of Broadview Avenue. This story came out of CBC Canada. And of course, the story is up in, from Ontario. A local story about Ottawa, about a protest near a school. It was largely uneventful and low-key compared to anything in the U.S., which goes to show everyone that Canadians have more class than their American counterparts. The other side of the coin here is, that, is the fact that the anti-transgender rhetoric is starting to make more and more headlines up there as well. Canada typically follows the U.S., albeit a little slower, in societal issues. So how long before the Canadians start having violent protests like their cousins in the South? And that's the really good question. Things are starting to ramp up up there north of the American border. And I really, you know, I'm, I, every week I'm going to apologize to Canadians because it seems like we're giving this to them 
uh, or, you know, or they're, they're listing more than they should be, let's put it that way. And I really hate to see that. Human rights campaign declares LGBTQ state of emergency overhyped, question mark. A California school district erases assassinated gay politician Harvey Milk. A Montana trans woman is blocked from delivering a history talk. Violence breaks out in L.A. This is from James Finn in Medium.com. A state of emergency has been declared in multiple places, including the White House now, over the violence being thrown at the LGBTQ plus peoples. What will it take to make the American people back off and just leave them alone? They are not coming for your kids, okay? It's not true. They don't want do they don't want to indoctrinate your kids. They don't want to kidnap your kids. Just let it go. These people are nothing to be afraid of. So again, this is a good read here from James Finn out of medium.com. Uh, again, I'm going to put the link in and let you guys have a chance to read it. This story, another article here. Met chief in England apologizes for forces treatment of LGBTQ plus people. Sir Mark Rowley makes apology in letter to activist Peter Tatchell and says there is still much for us to do. From the Guardian.com UK, a first of its kind, supposedly. Good news for the LGBTQ plus people in the UK. Now, if only the Americans would take notice and do the same. And that's, that's the thing. If only the Americans would notice that all of their friends and allies are starting to kind of change their tune a little bit. How much you want to think that the Americans influenced the bad stuff in the first place? And now these other folks are starting to take notice and come back around again. Again, if only the Americans would pay attention. So this one here, back to the United States. Joe Biden marks Pride Month with high-profile support of LGBTQ plus community. President announced new initiatives to protect gay rights, but, cel- and, but celebration of White House lawn postponed due to wildfire smoke. And this one came out of the Guardian.com U.S. News. So it's a big step up for the White House in supporting and protecting the LGBTQ plus communities across the country. This, this after the nation's largest advocacy group, the Human Rights Campaign, had declared a state of emergency in America now towards Amer- the LGBTQ people. And that's that's good step. And he, he you know, there's a, I've got a, a, a little Twitter thing here from Biden as well. Biden's Twitter address to the world, a pride flag hanging from the White House. So today's, the, today, the people's house, your house, sends a clear message to the country and add to the world. And that's the quote from his Twitter. And America is a nation of pride. But the big thing about it is that President Biden was willing to post this picture of a flag on Twitter and make an announcement that he's supporting this. Though the big question is, how's that going to affect people? Well, it's going to split the country a little bit more, believe it or not. I really will. But, you know, that's a good thing. I, I'm all about positive stuff here. And this one, um, this one came out of CBC.Canada. Higgs threatens election to quell rebellion over policy 713. Uh, this is from Jock Potras in CBC News. Six man, ministers, two backbenchers denounced lack of process, process and transparency but fall in line for a key New Brunswick vote. We were warned that this provincial premier was planning to make changes to satisfy some parents. Parents, But as one person asked in a press conference, what about homophobic parents? Is the minor child safe at home? He didn't answer. So now what? Well, that seems to be the question a lot of people are asking. 
what's going to happen in New Brunswick. And whatever they do, or any of the other provinces, is going to follow suit. A little bit scary from stuff going on up there. And my friend Sam W. up there mentioned this a week or so ago, and now it's in the news. Enough is enough, say advocates, after St. John's School faces anti-LGBTQ backlash. School district says it supports pride events in schools. Daryl Roberts in CBC News. More and more Canadians are starting to stand up to the hate coming from the right by the support by supporting the LGBTQ plus communities up there. Something the Americans could learn from. I can't say that enough. But it goes to show you, like that other article, Canadians are starting to rally around the, the, the pride flag a little bit here and uh, talk about how they're going to support people no matter what the backlash here from the right. You know, granted, there are the right-wing parties of Canada are, are less popular than they are in other places, but goes to show you um, that they're standing up. So I got another article here from a writer at Medium.com. My child just came out. Now what? By Rachel Guthrie Priestley. A wonderful blog article that discusses how to deal with a child that comes out as transgender. A very positive, loving article that everyone should read. And that's my deal. I, I'm, again, I'm going to post the link. You guys, everybody listening to this should dig into these newsletters and they should read these articles I put out here because a lot of this stuff, although I just touch base on them, you should read the full articles to get the full story. It, this one actually might bring you a little bit of a tear. Fatherly advice to trans daughter. Don't let the bastards win. In celebration of Father's Day and Pride Month from Emma, Emma Holiday. Again, another article out of medium.com. A unique blog article about a father's unconditional love and the thoughts around that in this month of Father's Day and Pride Month. Again, another article that I'm just going to touch base on because you really should read this. So now we're going to get into a news article from The Guardian. Catholic Pride Mass in Pennsylvania canceled after protests. Cancellation came at the request of the diocese after irate emails and calls, some of them threatening, officials say. A university in western Pennsylvania had to cancel a Catholic Mass because of backlash and misleading information about the event. Another example of human ignorance. Here's another article out of Guardian.com. The hate never away. The hate never went away. Quote, U.S. schools face violent pride backlash. The decision to observe pride did not spark street brawls last year. This time, things are very different from Lois Beckett in Los Angeles. Another pride observation that turned violent, this time in Glendale, California, just outside of L.A. The police had to tell everyone to go home because things were starting to get out of hand. As we progress through the month, there's likely going to be a lot more stories in the news about this. And then I have this article here, my last LBGTQ article, you know, straight up LGBTQ Pride Month article. And this was from today. I support queer rights, but there can be no but after saying you support queer rights. This is from Alex Mel Taylor in Medium.com. It's a very good article about supporting the LGBTQ population. Here the writer talks about support with no buts. If you, support, if you decide to support equality for all, there can be no but, if, but only ifs or my support is conditional. Conditions put you in the bigotry category. There can be no conditions, just like supporting equal rights for African Americans and, the other, and any other folks with differences. It's all or nothing. 
Get on the boat or stay on the pier. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You'll end up in the water and be an awful wet person if you do that. And that's my, that's my deal on that. If you're going to support something, support it. Don't give conditions. No but ifs. No what ifs. And say, well, I'll only support you if you do this, that kind of stuff. No, you're either in, you're out. Okay, end of discussion. So now I'm going to segue into my last article here for the news headlines. How the Vagrancy Act of 1866 turned black freedom into a crime after Juneteenth laws forced black Americans to labor by Allison Wiltz. And this is, again, another article in Medium.com. So this is a little bit different from all the other stuff, as I mentioned it would be. With this new holiday coming up, Juneteenth, she talks about how black people are still not free after the 13th Amendment. It's a good article on their struggle since then and the ones they still face today because of certain regional leftovers from the slave days. Mississippi and Louisiana come to my mind. Since inherited legacies just don't want to die out, such as the plantation mentality and all that kind of stuff. So with that, I'm going to go on a break. That's all the stories I got for you. Uh, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Meanwhile, I'm going to throw my promotional break and let you listen to it for a couple of minutes, and I'll be back in just a short few. Hang tight. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website on Crombieha at https colon forward slash forward slash 527.websitex5.me. In this website, I have a blog page where I post copies of my articles, teasers about my books, and a synopsis of the weekly podcast. Here in the website, you can also learn a little more about what An Krabiha means for a little bit of Irish culture and more about me in general. I also have links to this podcast, my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you like my Medium.com and Substack.com articles, I have an option at the end of these articles and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and sign up for a subscription if you want. I also post a weekly newsletter as a follow-up to the podcast every week in both publications. I don't want anyone to feel obligated to financially support my work, which I why I offer everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full pieces, though, even though I offer them for free, so just a heads up. Each article I write will be, avail- be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to sign up for anything. I just don't have all the extra frills that you'll find on medium.com and substack.com or access to all the other great writers there. But at least I give you a choice. If you enjoy reading, there are great choices to find out what you like most and dive in as much as you want. I hope to hear from you, whatever you decide. Welcome back to the second half of Ankram Biha podcast. So if you may have noticed, I changed the name of the podcast just a little bit to more reflect the Gaelic theme that I'm running with this. And so you'll notice that I took took out the English word the and replaced it with the Gaelic version or the Gaelic translation. So I hope that didn't throw anybody off. You'll notice when you look, try to do a search, it's also going to show that. So I'm going to spell it for you. A-N-C-R-A-N-N. B-E-T-H-A-D-H. Now, that's the Gaelic spelling of this podcast, and it's pronounced Ankrabiha. So, what I'm going to talk about here in my podcast here on the second half, it's about solidarity to a degree. So, I have a, a really good friend that lives up in Canada, 
Um, when we were online friends, I've never actually met her, uh, but I've you know listened to her a couple of times. Uh, she does have her own website and does a, the occasional audio clip that she puts in some of her productions, and that's a good thing. But the, here's the deal. Her name is Sam W. is what she publishes under. So I've got an article that she published in Medium.com. And the name of it is Why Does Representation and Diversity Matter? Normalizing Differences Reduces Prejudice. Yes, really. And that's, that's the thing about this. So in, in keeping with this, you know, promoting Pride Month, I received her permission to read this to you guys. And her website is called worldweary.com. And I'm going to post a link to it here in the newsletter. Now, she's an activist for many different things, as much as I am, which is one of the reasons why I like her work so much. This, so this is all about cultural diversity, something I try to promote as much as I can. I've traveled around the world a lot in my younger days and been immersed in many different cultures at various times, anywhere from the Far East to the Middle East and everything in between. So just to give you an idea, I traveled all over the Far East in my young days, Korea, Japan, China, Philippines, South Pacific, and all the places in between. And in the 80s, I started traveling over to the Middle East and Europe uh, as part of my military career. So I've seen pretty much everybody, every kind of diverse culture you can think of in one form or another. Now, obviously, I've never seen them all, but I've still seen enough. And that's one of the reasons why I promote that we as humans, we're all part of the same tribe of man. We bleed the same color. We look the same, uh, you know, for the most part. I mean, we all we are all born with two legs, two arms, hands, feet, you name it, a head on top, and all that kind of stuff. Um, as far as colors go, well, you know, our melatonin in the sun is what determines the color. It has nothing to do with what's in our hearts and what's in our brains. We're all the same. We grow up in different cultures. Okay, great. So what? Why does that make it so different? We don't have to be little tribes of man. We need to be one tribe of man so we can get our act together and save this planet. And we can also do, you know, if we were all work together, the racial injustice would go away, at least most of them. You know, the big thing is we got to quit fighting amongst ourselves for selfish reasons. It only, it only accomplishes more misery and more heartache. Why do we have to isolate ourselves under national flags and national borders? I mean, is it because we're afraid of anyone who doesn't look like, act like, believe like, or any other imagined difference? Well, it seems to be the case. So this selfishness seems to bring a sense of entitlement and social entitlement over others outside the borders and sometimes within our borders. There shouldn't be any others in the world, just humans. And that's the problem. We all look alike. You know, so why do we need to bluster, puff our chests out, and use our tool-making abilities against one another? What does it gain us other than an endorphin high? So here's the thing. This is what I'm going to get a little bit of science for you, only because of my own experience. So that's it in a nutshell. It's a, a lot of it is about a body chemical high, much like what adrenaline does for combat soldiers, something I'm very well familiar with. Addictions come in all types, and this is no different. I used to be addicted to adrenaline, the adrenaline rushes, and it caused me to do a lot of very reckless behavior, uh, you know, a lot of stupid stuff, uh, only because I wanted that adrenaline rush. It, it's like take, you know, almost like taking a drug, you know, with a glass of water. 
Uh, the big thing is it took me several years to overcome that. And having, a, having an addiction to endorphins is likely why we are seeing so much selfishness among the mega rich. The more pleasure they get from using their rich to control people makes them want more of that high, much like any other chemical addiction. Try convincing some rich oligarch that he has a natural endorphin addiction and see how that goes over. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Sam W. from Eastern Canada and her article, Why Does Representation in Diversity Matter? Normalizing Differences Reduces Prejudice. Yes, really, by Sam W. And this was published today. When the Eternals movie came out, my partner and I watched it together. It was okay, as far as Marvel movies go. It definitely wasn't our favorite. The story was a bit meh, but I had definitely seen worse. It wasn't particularly memorable, but it was swatchable, and we still had a nice time. There were a couple of things that really stood out to us, though, mostly with regard to the characters and how they were portrayed. At this point, we used the typical silver screen superhero, often white, always beautiful, straight as an arrow, muscular as all get out. The women managed to be busty and yet supported in skin-tight suits and perfect hair. The guy's muscles threatened to rip out of their armor. So the cast for the Eternals movie came as quite a pleasant surprise. The diversity of the actors spanned gender, skin color, sexual orientation, and ability. And while it was by no means perfectly done, their diversity, both of the actors and their characters, was treated as entirely incidental. The first point of interest was the presence of Makari, one of the titular main characters. Seeing a superhero with a disability, in this case being deaf, caught both of us by surprise. This was the first time deafness was brought up in a Marvel movie. Makari is shown to be an equally strong and purposeful member of the team. She battles as a warrior on even footing with her comrades, and none of them treat her deafness as a problem. It's not even really discussed at any point in the movie. Teams simply use the sign language whenever they talk to her. No fanfare. It was a welcome surprise for us, and we considered it a huge point in the movie's favor. It didn't stop there. Later in the movie, we got an even bigger surprise, one that made us both gasp in legitimate excitement. A gay married couple, not just married, they have a son. Neither is the stereotypical portrayal of an effeminate gay man either. They're outside playing catch with their son, fixing a bike, acting like any other television fathers would. And it wasn't even the old Hollywood trick of they're totally married, but they only ever hold hands, unquote. Nope, a loving embrace and a full kiss goodbye, center camera, no remark or surprise from anyone, treated exactly like any other romantic moment between a heterosexual couple on screen. Did I mention that all of the characters I mentioned right now are played by people of color? This kind of representation is growing more common every year, and it never ceases to bring a smile to my face. At long last, the old stereotypes are breaking down. It makes me happy because it means that those of us who aren't straight, white, able-bodied men are not stuck on the sidelines anymore. Diversity and representation are absolutely vital in the fight for human rights, and not just because it lets marginalized minorities see themselves on the screen. It's vital because it teaches other people that we aren't a stranger as different as they might otherwise think. The human brain isn't always great at recognizing the difference between reality and the imaginary. If you've ever felt your stomach drop when you watched a point of view video of a roller coaster ride, that's why. Your brain genuinely thinks you're swooping along the rails. 
This can lead to some pretty interesting phenomena, not all of which are particularly healthy. One such phenomena is something called a parasocial relationship. Ever been completely obsessed with a particular band or a television character? My mother's enduring and devoted fanaticism for BTS comes to mind. Humans are social critters. When we, when we get to know someone, we tend to develop a sense of camaraderie and attachment to them on a personal level. When this is mutual and positive, we call it friendship. If it's one-sided and there's a movie screen in a way, it's parasocial. There are extreme examples of this, of course. You usually see them in a form of obsessive stalker-type fans. But the most part, our parasoci parasocial relationships lead to things like crying in a movie theater when a favorite character has a bad day. This phenomenon is a big part of why representation in entertainment is so important. Our human tendency to split ourselves up into different categories often leads to prejudice. When we hold each other at arm's length and do not particularly regularly engage outside of our own group, we create a distance. We detach from one another and we leave a void of empathy that can be filled with all kinds of assumptions. If you live in a small town and you never met an immigrant to your country, you have no personal experience to compare against racist comments you hear, racist comments you hear from the people around you. Does that mean you'll automatically be racist yourself? Of course not. But you might have some preconceived stereotypes in your head when you do meet somebody from another culture. This is part of why some people preach against sending their kids to public school or to college in big cities. The more people of varied backgrounds their kids interact with, the less room there is for stereotypes to get in there. If you're trying to raise a kid that hates gay people, it's probably not a good idea to give them a chance to meet and befriend a gay person. They might learn to empathize with them and stop agreeing with their parents. This is called contact theory, a method of encouraging interaction and cooperation so that people of varied group, groups form bonds. It helps reduce the prevalence of negative and harmful stereotypes. Isolation from one another breeds prejudice and distrust. Of course, introducing very bigoted and hateful people to the people they distrust isn't always safe. It isn't always worth the risk to have those people interact face-to-face and it's better to err on the side of protecting a potential victim over teaching the abuser a lesson. But here's the really neat thing. Remember parasocial relationships? Yeah, they work for contact theory too. Not only do they work, they work on a large scale, and they work organically. You no longer need to arrange and plan an in-person event. Positive portrayals of stigmatized minorities can generally help change how we think about each other. This is why bigots and hate groups are absolutely rage when they see diversity in the movies they watch or the video games they play. When diverse representation becomes normalized in popular media, it becomes harder to recruit people to their side. When minority groups become just a normal, another normal part of everyday life, it gets harder to other us. The stereotypes and stigmas tend to start to break down. Unfortunately, it isn't a magic silver bullet. Parasocial relationships can work both ways. When the Overton window shifts to the far right, when political pundits and influencers preach bigotry from the social media pulpit, parasocial relationships wind up screwing us over. Again, this is why they lose their marbles over seeing a book about gay penguins in a library. This is why they don't want kids to learn about the awful history of racism in school. They aren't stupid, and they know how this dynamic works. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance becomes fear. So I say, let the, let's not let them get away with it. Let's drown them out. Every time they post hate, let's post love and solidarity. Let's celebrate diversity, create art, 
and media with diversity and help each other climb up out of the hole they want us to hide in. Let us not be afraid to see ourselves represented. Let us not be afraid to learn about each other's experience and the different ways we've been affected by other people's prejudice. Let's not be afraid to reflect on our own biases and make an effort to learn more about the people we've never met. If we want to change the world for the better, we can start by stepping outside of our bubbles and cliques and networking further afield. We're all human beings. We are all people, able-bodied or not, not neurodiverse or typical LGBTQ+, or cishet, maybe I pronounced that right, white, or BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C, no matter where we come from, the religion we follow, or who we love, we are all human. Diversity is strength. It's beautiful. And if we represent it well, it might just change the world for better. And her little cue here, solidarity wins. So that's the end of the article. And I hope you get a chance to read this because it's, it's very meaningful and very important for all of us to learn to come together. So that's all I have for you this week. I hope I've enlightened you a little bit with my choices of stories and thoughts. I'm going to close out this show with a challenge. The big thing I'm asking you is evaluate your view on otherisms. Okay? Are you, you know, do you hold any type of prejudice against people in the world? I mean, the only people I'm prejudiced against are the ones who behave stupidly. You want to be stupid? I don't want anything to do with you. But I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what language you speak, and I don't care what you look like. But if you want to behave stupid, then I don't like you. That's just bottom line. For as far as the rest of the world, I want to embrace every bit of it. And I, this is what this article I just read to you is all about. We need to embrace people's differences and stay away from the people who all the way they want to do is spread ugliness and misinformation and hate and dissent. And so think about that. As we go through the rest of the week here, do you have any biases towards people? And if, they, if you do, what are they? Examine them. Why do you have them? And think about what that means to you. You know, is it, is it affecting your way of life? So with that, I'm going to close out the show. And I hope I, I, hope I get to see you next week. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll return again for another episode of On Crombie Hot. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more, the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free and can be found on many different platforms now, although some of them may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for On Crombie Hot Podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L, in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the village oak tree during our time together. As a Sean Kay, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you some news from the outside world and maybe a story or two that may bring you a smile or make you think a little after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more. Nothing but happiness come through your door. Slongo foil which means goodbye for now in Irish.